On the TV screen, she has claimed many awards as a child star, favorite TV actress, favorite scene stiller, favorite sidekick. However, her home life is a separate category worthy of a nod. The actress, Jeanette McCurdy. The book, I'm Glad My Mom Died. <laughs> and you're listening to Lit Society. Let's, Let's get, get lit. Alexis. And this is Kari. And you're listening to Lit Society, a podcast about books and drama. Yes, you are. Alexis, I have an announcement. <laughs> oh my goodness. Go, you have the floor. So at the beginning of this month, I started a uh, new old uh, YouTube channel, and that is Chicagoing, mm-hmm. Chicago I N G S. So C H I, you know how to spell Chicago, I N G S. Uh, so go over there to chicagoings.com or to uh, the YouTube channel uh, to see some travel tips, hacks. I'm talking about uh, the best way to have a solo trip, the best way to pack, how to make the most of your first solo trip and how to use credit card points to go places for free. It's really exciting. Ooh, I can't <laughs> wait to see it. Hear it. <laughs> well, it Ooh. started at the beginning of the month. So I know you've watched more than a few videos and I thank you for your support. <laughs> I, I have, I have. <laughs> because I love the videos you create, Kari. I really do. No, you're a great supporter. Thank you so much. <laughs> you, my husband, and my mom. I always have those three views. And so, listener, I always, <laughs> also want to tell you about it. So, if you're into travel, please head over to Chicagoings on YouTube. And again, that's Chicago INGS. But anyway, you're listening to Lit Society right now. And I want you to know that this is a video episode, as will be all future episodes um, as we start season Woo-hoo. four. <laughs> so, yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah, well, don't stay tuned. Go over to YouTube right now to see our faces. What we have done is we've hung in for another season. Yeah, we right? did it. Yeah. This is yeah. the last book episode of the season. We do have a roundup yeah. fun episode next week, but yeah, yeah, this is it. This season has had its share of challenges. Would Ooh. you agree? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're bi-coastal, so we're making yeah. it work yeah. with the different time zones. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And we started our season with COVID and we ended it free of COVID, but by Coastal, as Kari mentioned. Mm -hmm. We produced 37 episodes. Wow. Yeah, we did. Anyway, that's fun. (laughs) It's a blast. (laughs) Can you tell by my facial expression? (laughs) Anyway, folks, so I was thinking about this book and it talks about therapy. So I want to ask Kari, have you taken therapy before? I have not, but I would be open to it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have, as you know, I think I've talked, spoken about it um, a bit before. So why don't we jump into our theme of the week? Because as you know, readers, each week we select a theme to discuss inspired by the book that we are reading. And I've decided to go with the theme, how to help therapy help you, parentheses, me. I love that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Okay. And I got this information from a couple of websites. The first website is um, Psych Central, not a website I normally use, but Psych Central. I was doing the research for this because, you know, there was a lot of angles you could, uh, I felt like you could go with this, but most of them I think might have been too personal for me. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go with the angle of something that's still personal but helpful, <laughs> certainly helpful because I've been in therapy and I think I um, I don't benefit as well as I should. And I know it has everything to do with me. So let's just dive into this. So, again, one of the websites I looked into was Psych Central and the other one was from a Ph.D. David Sussman. So just a few mixes from both of those. And then, okay. of course, a few of my personal ex- um, notes from my personal experience. So one of the first things, tips that it gives you is to choose carefully. That I can't get behind for, um, enough because you could just pick a therapist based on your location and that shouldn't be enough. You mm-hmm. should be a lot more thoughtful about the therapist that you choose. Um, you want to think about this, the services they offer, the specialization that they offer. Um, and if those specialization and the services that they offer really connect with the things that you need for yourself. And then another thing to consider along with that choosing carefully is you certainly want to make sure you're aware of the cost along the way. Sometimes if you're not fully aware of the costs associated and the financial um, experience that you have with uh, therapy, because sometimes you have limited visits depending on your your insurance that's in the States. Mm-hmm. You may have limitations. Um, that can be distracting mm-hmm. if you're worried about whether or not you can afford it. Or if maybe the two free visits you get um, are not enough. And, and that could have an effect on how you participate in therapy because it can be distracting to so, say the least. Um, two free visits a month, perhaps is all you get. No. So sometimes you have a, an employee assistance plan mm-hmm. and maybe that employee assistance plan will give you six visits or two visits. In what and, time period? And then period? after that, a year. <laughs> yes. And you may have to pay after that. Okay, so I can see why that would be important to understand and to prepare for before going into it, because you don't want to be worried about the clock when you need to be worried about your healing. And I don't know what two visits a year is going to get anybody for anything, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Usually the employee assistance programs really offer, I think, like six visits, but it really depends on what your company offers. But it's important to consider at the very least, you got to consider the financial aspects so they're not distracting. And then when you go into therapy, secondly, you want to view it as a collaborative effort. Okay, it's not you just listening to someone talk to you. No, you're contributing. You're sharing some really personal things about yourself and it will require a bit of 
time maybe to get to know and get comfortable with the therapist um, so that you can fully open up. But it can't just be one sided. It can't just be I showed up. Fix me. Yeah, it can't be. I imagine it takes a while to get comfortable with a therapist to really um, open up and to know what you should talk about. This book um, really illustrated well how sometimes you don't even know something needs to be unpacked. So how Mm -hmm. can you how can the therapist do that work with you if they don't know you well? That takes a few visits and then maybe you won't even like your therapist or that won't be the one that's going to help you progress, uh, which we also see in this book. So, yeah, it takes time. Mm. Yeah. And that and that could have a lot to do with um, your interaction with that therapist. So where you are in your journey mm -hmm, are not good. You may have to stop and see another person choose someone else that happens I've seen at least three therapists in my life and I probably could go for a fourth one but Mm -hmm. the key is um if you know if you're fully aware that you need a therapist it's a worthy investment um and if you can afford it take the time out to um participate be an active participant in your therapy journey. Mm. Another important thing is to schedule your sessions at a good time. You got to be free from distraction. If you're worried about maybe picking your child up or what laundry list of things, your to-do list, then that's distracting to you. You can't Mm -hmm. fully invest in therapy if you're distracted by other things. So that's... um, Make sure you plan your therapy at a time that's convenient for you to be freely uh, involved and committed to the session and your time with the therapist. Because now sessions are no longer like 60 minutes. The base session is like 50 or 45 minutes. Of which, course, I don't yeah. know. Mm. Instead of a, a full on 60 minutes. Mm. And then uh, one person noted when it says um, under Psych Central schedule sessions at a good time vulnerability can be exhausting schedule a nap or a happy hour for afterward i know that's right or maybe not happy hour depending on why you're going (laughs) (laughs) happy hour can mean different things for different people that's true that's true just an hour to be happy yeah Uh, so you want to be present and the only way you can do that if you schedule your time appropriately okay Mm -hmm. and it's important to be present at your sessions the another step that they offer is to say anything in therapy. That's tough. That's really tough. Again, it, it that's a progressive thing. And in the book, there's a specific example where um, Jeanette had to reveal something that she didn't even know, as Kari mentioned, <laughs> and she didn't even know needed to be revealed to her. And that can be hard to talk about. And some so sometimes you may need to take a break and then regroup and come back. Mm -hmm. But the goal in saying anything in therapy is to um, receive the support and learn how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So when you say say anything, you're saying don't be so guarded that you're protecting perhaps that baggage that subconsciously, you know, is there or just things that you feel you be judged by other people for saying in therapy, you need to say those things. 
Yeah. And therapy, you need to say those things. It says if you're having a hard time opening up about traumas, negative feelings and habits that make you feel ashamed, you're not alone. But Mm -hmm. verbalizing your struggles is critical to therapeutic benefit. Another point. Talk about therapy in therapy. When you expose your innermost feelings in therapy, it's normal to experience intense fear and stress. Again, you're buying into this method for healing and you might have some hesitation or buyer's remorse. Uh, You may want to use therapy to talk about those feelings as well. So just as along with the say anything, if you're struggling with the information that's being given to you, talk about it. Um, Another thought set landmarks for change. So therapy should be progressive, right? You should be making progress in your therapy. Um, And the only way you can do that is if you work towards it, Mm -hmm. right? It's not a straight line to a solution to your problems, but there's a process. Um, There's feedback, there's habits, there's um, patterns. And it says when you fall back on old thought processes, don't beat yourself up. So Mm -hmm. there's a journey to to your wellness, if you will. There's a journey. And in order to achieve that, you have to get through the tough stuff. Another point, one of the things that I hated about therapy is homework. (laughs) I just want to be there and have that time and then go away. Like the spa. And I I think you just want to go to the spa. (laughs) I I think I do. I think I do. And like to have a homework assignment, that's too much. It requires too much of me. And I personally have not been willing to give it Mm. because it requires me to think outside of myself. I need to stand out and now evaluate some decisions that I've made, Mm. some um things that I think about and and then really um, write them down and comment on them. I need to speak about feelings or, and sometimes you get that homework and you like really don't want to do it, mm-hmm. which is my issue, but do the homework, do homework outside the sessions because that is going to make your progress um, better and faster. Cause if you're not, I'm doing the homework. You are literally just showing up Mm -hmm. and saying, what you got for me? I thought you were supposed to fix me. Mm -hmm. When I read books, sometimes it says it'll talk about what they think the therapist should be. And I hate that all the time because I don't have any ideas about um, what it should be. I just know what I want. And that is like this time to talk and then I get to leave. (laughs) But if you have... (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you have that barrier up of what things um, should be and should look like, it'll prevent you from sometimes fully opening up. That's what I say. So anyway, be prepared to do the homework outside your sessions and have an open mind when you present yourself to therapy. And that way you'll be able to start making the changes sooner rather than later. And let's see, one of the final thoughts I wanted to share from the list is savor the process. Therapy can be heartbreaking, illuminating, and transformative. It can be if you put in the work. Mm. And sometimes the work is hard, 
But in order to get to um, the goals that you set for yourself, you absolutely have to savor the process. Something so you can look back on it and um, smile. Mm. You know it was tough, but you did the work and you came through. And that's the reward. So that's what I wanted to share. Tips on how I can help me (laughs) benefit from therapy. Thank you. (laughs) Those are great tips. Now, why don't we take a quick break? Okay, sounds good. Why don't you give us a little information oh, about our author or maybe some context around the book? Yeah, we don't, autobiography. we don't go yeah. too deeply into context mm-hmm. when we do um, memoirs or autobiographies. However, I will say that um, born June 26, 1992 in the L.A. area, Jeanette uh, Michelle Faye McCurdy is an American writer, director, podcaster and former actress. She's appeared on The X-Files, which we learned in this book, um, Malcolm in the Middle. But her breakout role was as Sam Puckett on Nickelodeon's iCarly and the subsequent Sam and Cat with Ariana Grande. I used to want to be a Nickelodeon kid, by the way. I remember visiting the lot with my parents. And I was like, oh, that's the all that cast. I could do that. Oh, I know what I want. (laughs) And you want to be actress. Yeah. uh Yeah. Then TikTok is the place for you. Yeah. And so is YouTube. Uh, You have the proper platform. That's why I'm a YouTuber. Get in there. Get in there. I can't wait. Back to Jeanette. (laughs) So... In 2017, she quit acting and in 2020, she performed a one woman show titled I'm Glad My Mom Died. She has a podcast titled Empty Inside. Have you heard her podcast? I haven't. But when I saw the title of it, I was like, do I need to listen to that? And I, yeah, I haven't heard it either, um, but I'll give it a try. So anyway, that's all I have on um, Jeanette before we dive into her memoir. Okay. Well, why don't you give us a brief synopsis? Sure. So Jeanette gets frank about her struggles under the hands of an abusive stage mom in an industry that could care less if she lived or died. Others chose her path starting at the age of eight. And ever since she's been pretending for her family, herself and the world. Um, Alexis, since we're changing it up, um, I want to know uh, who you think this, who would enjoy this book? Who should pick up this book and perhaps um, they would enjoy reading it? Ooh, let me think. Who would enjoy reading this book? You know, she, one, if you're a fan of hers, I would certainly do that. If you're a fan of Jenny McCurdy's work, this Jeanette. you should definitely mm-hmm. Jeanette McCurdy's work. You should definitely read this. And then also, um, if you have challenges with therapy, I think mm-hmm. <laughs> if you have challenges with therapy and you read her story, it makes you want to. It made me. I'll speak for myself. It makes it made me want to like reevaluate my process in therapy. So if you have challenges with therapy, listen to her story. I'll also say if you I feel like if you enjoy Mariah Carey's book, Mariah is very guarded 
And what Mm. she has admitted to herself, probably, and definitely what she's going to talk about in the book. This is a more open um, Mm -hmm. storyteller. She she is holding nothing back, it seems, and letting us know what she's gone through. And uh, when you write a memoir, it's up to you to not disclose everything. Like everybody don't have to know everything if you don't want them to. Um, But. I feel like Jeanette is an open book in the way she talks about her life. Um, Why did you choose this book? I chose this book because um, for our the last book of our season, we always choose a celebrity memoir. And we were playing with the idea of reading um, a posthumous autobiography made of one of our uh, favorite artists. And because they didn't have a first like a because they didn't release the book, I've always felt weird about that book. Um, Mm. so, uh, this was more talked about. It's everywhere right now. Jeanette is doing a lot of interviews and promotion of the Mm -hmm. book and it's getting a lot of, um, press. And so I thought for our show, this would be great to do. Let's do it. And that, that was it. I don't, I never watched, I never had cable, so I never watched iCarly. (laughs) Um, so I didn't really know Jeanette. I don't know her character, Sam Puckett. I'm really going into this, just reading about a person and their life experience. I have no type of, um, I'm not starstruck at all. Um, which was nice because with Mariah, obviously I was Mm -hmm. not that I want to compare that. Um, they obviously have two different, um, lives (laughs) drastically. Um, but I just do see some similarities. So it was nice approaching, um, a person's story cold, not knowing anything about them and letting them explain themselves to me. Well, that is wonderful. Listen, um, I knew a little bit about Jeanette. Sometimes you're visiting people's houses and they got the TV on and I'm such <laughs> a TV alcoholic. I can just get into a show. So I've seen an episode or two and I heard stuff about her in the news. So mm-hmm. I'm familiar with her, but, you know, wasn't like a fan of hers either. So she I'm did a-, a red table talk. Have you ever watched those? Uh, oh, Yeah. So I remember when the Red Table Talks first, first came out before they became popular. It was like three years before that. And that what? didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's got to be on YouTube somewhere. But I, I remember them. But yeah, I, I saw the recent I saw portions of the interview of the Red Table Talk. So yeah. I'm going to watch right. it. I've been wanting to get into those. They look really um Hey, Zara, you see our producer walking back here. To, she said, stay on topic. OK, Zara, got it. No problem. All right. And that's it. That is our bully. <laughs> well, thank you, Kari. And as the producer recommends, let's jump right into this deep dive into I'm glad my mom is dead. Hey, you guys, Kari here. As I'm editing this week's show, I'm realizing we didn't tell you that there are spoilers ahead. As is typical for us, when we dive into the plot of the book, um, or in this case of the nonfiction story, we are going to reveal all of the plot points. So if you haven't read the book yet, you may want to pause here and come back when you're done. Okay, spoilers ahead. Here we go. What a captivating, provocative title, right? Right, right. So Jeanette says she earns that title through the book. Um, So I want to play a very limited portion of the prologue um, and and for Audible. And I think actually I know for sure you can find this book on Libby. There is a long wait list. Um, However, and Libby, by the way, is that free library app where you can download books and ebooks 
and audiobooks again for free. It's connected to your local library's inventory. Um, but I want to just play a portion of what she reads because she reads her memoir for the audiobook. Mm-hmm. Um, and one part she even breaks down briefly, um, like in tears. So, um, yeah, uh, I'll play that now. I wait until everyone else goes down to grab some food so that I can be alone with her. I pull the squeaky chair close to her bed and sit down. I smile. I'm about to bring the big guns. Forget weddings, forget moving home. I've got something more important to offer. Something I'm sure mom cares about more than anything. Mommy, I am so skinny right now. I'm finally down to 89 pounds. I'm in the ICU with my dying mother And the thing that I'm sure will get her to wake up is the fact that in the days since mom's been hospitalized, my fear and sadness have morphed into the perfect anorexia motivation cocktail. And finally, I have achieved mom's current goal weight for me, 89 pounds. I'm so sure this fact will work that I lean all the way back in my chair and pompously cross my legs. I wait for her to come too. And wait. And wait. But she never does. She never comes too. I can't make sense of it. If my weight isn't enough to get mom to wake up, then nothing will be. And if nothing can wake her up, then that means she's really going to die. And if she's really going to die, what am I supposed to do with myself? So she sets us up uh, very well in that short moment in that hospital. We understand a little bit of her family dynamic, um, her relationship with her mom. We understand to be a bit maybe troubled and uh, then she jumps into her story. So part one, Survivor. Jeanette is the youngest of three or four children. Does she have three brothers or four? Three. I think she has three or two. <laughs> anyway. I think she has two. She has two. Okay. It's three um, children and she and there's two brothers. Okay. So she's the youngest in a house she occupies with her mom, dad, siblings and two grandparents. And those are her mom's parents. Um, Mm -hmm. The house is owned by her dad's parents and they always are late with their payment to her dad's parents. Um, Sometimes or oftentimes they're short on their payment. And her mom is like, why we got to pay rent anyway? That's what family is for. Red flag. I Uh, know, right? And she the mom also. Now there is you guys. I, I, (laughs) I, I debate whether there's actually a twist in this book and I debate whether I uh, let you in on it early because we don't find out about it as a reader until like the last 10th of the book. And it just really makes a lot of things make sense or it makes some things even more shocking. So I'll just um, leave that there. But I want to say her mom would make the statement. If your dad's parents don't leave this house to you guys in in the will, I know something. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway, moving on. Jeanette's always connected to her mom. Like they share glances from across the room during awkward situations. And Jeanette's made it her purpose to please her mom. She's a very please. I want to please not people. I want to please mom kind of kid. But Um, she did identify herself as a people pleaser later on in the book. Okay. Okay, they are Mormon. The three hours that they spend at church each week is Jeanette's favorite because it takes her away from the place she hates worse than more than any place in the world. And where is that, Alexis? Home. Her home. 
Um, you want to describe the house a bit? Uh, the dynamics within it or whatever comes to mind first. Well, I think about her grandmother who seems to hate her, <laughs> her grandfather who seems very loving, um, her two brothers. I, I don't know how to describe them, but her father is always working. They're not and they're not a rich family. They're working. They're barely making the rent payments on time or fully for that matter. So there's a struggle yeah. within the house. Um they all There's have minimum wage. They all have mm-hmm. minimum wage jobs. And Everybody. The grandparents, the grandparents moved in later, but then just stayed. They were they came on to help out, um, but then it just made sense financially for them to also stay there. Um, what I was thinking of though is that her mom is a hoarder, and this is something she oh, developed yeah. after a traumatizing experience with a disease. Um, she stopped throwing things away. Um, mm-hmm. So there's. A few things that really stick out. First of all, all the kids sleep on gym mats in the living room because the nursery and the boys room have been turned into storage. Their garage is full of um, like, I think, newspapers, um, broken mugs and plastic bags, just everything that her mom has ever accumulated fills the garage and spills over into the house. There are dead rats and possums in there. So it smells scary. It's dark. Yeah, it's like a terrifying place to be. And Jeanette is fully aware that this is not the way a home should be. Even as a child, she fantasizes about being kicked out, about being evicted, because she's like, great, then we'd have to get rid of all our stuff and move. And there's nothing I want more than to get rid of this stuff. She has a quote here. She says, this house is an embarrassment. This house is shameful. I hate this house. This is the baby talking about her own house. And she's speaking to us now from the uh, viewpoint of a young child earlier than five. She she remembers those times clearly, but she stayed in this house until she um, like was 18. So, yeah. So let's talk about her mom for a bit. Her mom's name is Deb. And when Jeanette was two years old, her mom was diagnosed with cancer. That's that traumatic experience. Um, Mom mom loves, I'm going to say mom a lot because that's how she uh, describes her mom. Not as Deb, of course. She says mom loves uh, recounting her cancer story, a diagnosis she received when she was only 35 years old. And she feels like it's her mission in life to tell people how she survived cancer over and over and over again. She even makes the family rewatch this uh, VHS that she filmed when she was bald, sad and dying. And she'll watch it and be like, oh, see how uh, one of my sons keeps leaving the room. That's because he loves his mummy so much. He's sad. But look at Jeanette. She's singing Jingle Bells. And all Jeanette can think, first of all, she was two. But all Jeanette sees is how come I wasn't there for my mom when she needed me in this video? And it fills her with guilt. She was yeah. two. And that's because at this point, she has been trained to feel this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the marriage of her parents is not the best. Um, Mom speaks often about how she could have married anyone and should have. Now she's less. Who who does that in a relationship? Girl, (laughs) to to their kids, too. Um, So now she's like, I'm less attractive because I had you kids. And then um, Jeanette's like, I'm sorry, mommy. And she's like, oh, don't worry about it, baby. I'd rather have you than any man. But one time Quincy Jones did a double take when I passed him (laughs) on the street. (laughs) 
Her mom's life is full of regrets, like how her parents wouldn't allow her to be an actress. And she tells Jeanette, I'm not going to be like my parents. You're going to be mommy's little actress. And Jeanette says, OK, mommy. Mm-hmm. Red flag, red flag, red flag. Red flag. Living through your kids. Um, so uh, Jeanette's mom takes her to this tryout for an agency. Um, and right away, Jeanette is noticing which kids are accepted and which kids are sent home. She's accepted, but as like a B group. So she won't be in primary shots. She's going to be like a glorified extra. And her mom is like, you're a glorified extra now, but one day you're going to make it big, baby. Um, yeah. So uh, the agency uh, comments to her mom. And this was startling to me. You know, Jeanette just seems a little shy. Now, Jeanette's never wanted to do this. She really hates the process. And they've picked up on that. They say, yeah, she seems a little shy. And the mom says she is shy, but she'll get over it. She wants this more than anything. Meanwhile, Jeanette is like, wow, that was the worst experience of my life. But I want to please my mom and my mom is happy. So maybe it's not so bad. Uh, then they start talking about some of the work she gets. Y'all, it is traumatized. This was enough. If you told me this was, she's pretending people dying in her arms. Uh, she'd be a little uh, baby prostitute. She'd be a little baby on drugs. She'd be a little murder baby. Um, on X-Files, she gets stuck in a gas chamber and has to pretend to suffocate to death. Um, she plays some depression era children and they like her because she looked the saddest out of everybody. It's wild. And it, it made really me rethink. Wild. It made me rethink kids in films. Uh-huh. Like I'm kind of mm. disturbed now. I don't see kids in nothing. Mm. Let's talk about the dad. <laughs> that transition was off. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about him. though. we got to do it. So, what were your? Uh, what did you think of the dad? Well, he was working all the time, right? So he worked two jobs to help keep the family to contribute to the family's monthly success so he was tired all the time he fell asleep at at interacting with the kids it's just I I just saw him as just you know a hard worker man Ooh, I don't know this is like my least favorite type of person but um, hearing it from Jeanette's point of view made me feel some mercy for him he's a very passive person he's going through life passively everything happens to him he's not proactive in anything in his life so he is um, like working at Hollywood video I don't remember him having a second job but that does make sense yeah he did have two jobs Mm -hmm. Um, and his wife often degrades him to the point where Um, In the beginning, I'm thinking they bicker a lot, which is unfortunate. But no, you guys, Um, for for example, one time he came home late from work and she first of all, uh, he runs in the door. Jeanette wraps her arms around him, wanting some affection from him, which he doesn't really give. He like pats her head and sits down. And then he looks at the mom and the mom is enraged. She's like, are you cheating on me? Why are you late all the time? Um, She kicks him out regularly, making him sit sleep in his car which is wild um but this isn't playful banter at all in fact in in this instance when um she was furious with him for coming home late she spit in his face and threatened him with a knife yeah she's quite abusive and Jeanette goes you got this mommy as she's been trained to do once the initial fear wears off she roots her mommy on and it's like a little game um, yeah. And he remains just disconnected from it all. His wife, her parents and their children. He's just kind of there. 
It's really messed up. Uh, part two. They used you. That's a wild sentence to be excited about, but Isn't I'll it? explain. <laughs> they used you, baby. They used you. So this is where we begin diving deeper into the passive and not so passive abuse and aggression from mom. First of all, uh, the, that depression era kid that uh, Jeanette had to play for one of the um, pilots or whatever films. I think it was a, do- a documentary, actually, uh, that she got picked up for. Um, they put some stuff on her teeth to make her teeth look rotten. She hated it. And there's a part where she has to go to the bathroom. She has to poop. And this is where we learn that her mom does not allow her to poop by herself uh, because her mom wants to wipe her. So she was this- eight years old when this was happening. Specify. Ugh. And to specify further, we don't know when this stops. Uh, There is reason to believe that this continued late into her teens where her mom would go to the bathroom with her to wipe her. And um, Jeanette goes, I want to wipe myself. (laughs) And her mom is like, you'll get skid marks on your Pocahontas undies. I'll do it. Yeah, Um, that's not the most disturbing part. Um, I also want to give a content warning that we should have given at the beginning. This book talks about all the abuses you can think of. Um, now, uh, if these are triggers for you, any type of abuse ever, (laughs) if any type of abuse, um, emotional, spiritual, sexual, if any of this triggers you stop listening yesterday. Okay, don't listen to this episode. Skip to the next one. In fact, go to the one before this. Go to Cyrano. That's fun. We're going we gonna to have some fun because Jeanette is a comedian. She's going to laugh about everything, but it's going to be a lot of pain in there with the truth. So, okay, we're going to give you a second to decide. All right, you here now. Let's go. So, <laughs> so yeah, Jeanette, so mama be wiping her. to stay. <laughs> so, hey, come along. I'm with you. I want to know the business too. We nosy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, while she's wiping her, um, Jeanette's mom is like, and look happier. And, and J- baby Jeanette, and I say baby, but like Alexa says, she's like eight years old. She's like, OK, but I hate this. I hate performing for people. I hate feeling vulnerable. I hate that I don't see you. And, and that's another thing. Her mom is a stage mom and she goes with her to the sets, but she's not with her all day. Anything could be happening to Jeanette. Her mom wouldn't know. She's just reading the magazine, eating the free food from craft. So, uh, yeah. So. Her mom is uh, actually not eating the free food from uh, the craft table. We'll get to that. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So her mom's like, look happy. Anyway, they go back to the set and the director's like, where's that terribly sad kid? The kid just looks sad all the time because this happy child that we tell him to look sad. This ain't working. Get that sad kid. And so the um, casting manager is like, who was it? Is it you, you, you? They get to Jeanette. He's like, that one. Get that one. Let's kill her in the shot. Because she looked terribly sad. (laughs) And so they actually used her in a primary shot telling her mom we had to use her. She does the best sad face we've ever seen. Now, her mom didn't just while she was wiping her butt, told her to look happy. And then her mom goes, yeah, she does do a great sad face. It's fantastic. I think think her mom always gives her poor um, advice, too. When it comes to you preparing think for, yeah, just like you stop giving her advice. You terrible. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then she tells to her little baby, Nat, Jeanette, she says they used you. They really used you. No more glorified extra for you, baby. You're in a primary shot. Um, Her mom gets the number of Barbara Cameron, who has some famous kids and also is a child actor manager and schedules a tryout for Nat and her brother. So the mom also wants one of her sons to be a star. The other one she's kind of given up on. They, these are children. Children. All right, so the brother did well. Jeanette did not do so well. Remember, she hates this. After haggling, however, Barbara agrees to take Jeanette on only if she gets acting lessons. Her mom goes, she accepted you. You hear this? They used you. She she accepted you. This is oh the positive goodness. reinforcement. The class is 1130 to 2.30 each Saturday. This is how the baby got to spend the classes, the, the Saturday, the weekend. Saturday, yep. Mm-hmm. Describing a class for an occupation she hates uh, that her mom is forcing her to continue with. Moving on. The mom makes sure to tell her never ask questions. Shut up and do what you're told to be successful because you don't want to get labeled as difficult. Terrible advice. Again, terrible advice. Yeah. Don't ask questions. Just shut up and do what you're told. Scary stuff. So um, let's move on. There was a show called Mad TV. It was like a com- competitor of SNL, Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, Jeanette was picked up to do a scene where she has to use the word gay in a derogatory way. And she before she's uh, rehearsing that scene or trying out for it, she tells her mom, I don't want to say this word. Do I have to say it? And her mom goes, yeah, yeah, look, um, we'll get ice cream afterward. OK, baby. And so she's like, okay. So she goes in, says it. They love it. She gets hired. Her mom takes her to get ice cream. And she's like, what would you like? Nutty coconut? And she's like, oh, I'll have cookies and cream. Her mom bursts into tears. She was like, nutty coconut is your favorite. Don't you want nutty coconut? Why are you changing on me? What? And, and Jeanette's always trying to make her mom happy. She's like, never mind. I'll have nutty coconut. She don't even finish it. Her mama does. And this she stuck with don't me. even like nutty coconut. I you hate ma- <laughs> nutty coconut, she said. You've made your uh, little child say a slur against their will um, with the promise that they'll get ice cream. And then you don't even get the ice cream that they want. And then you eat it. Anyway, her mom at this point has also gotten a pager so that the agent can contact her whenever need be for Jeanette. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Disturbing. Dance class. So, uh, yeah, uh, (laughs) Jeanette tried out for like a part that requires some dancing. I think some hip hop dance. And she was like, and a one and a two and (laughs) and a beat was nowhere near her. And so they was like, let's put you in dance classes too. Oh, great. Some more stuff she hates. Now her mom doesn't show up to the dance classes because her mom never wanted to be a dancer. And Jeanette's like, well, maybe my mom only shows up to things where I'm doing things that she's wanted to do, but I try not to think about that. Um, As we said, dad works at Hollywood Video a lot. So Jeanette doesn't see him much. So in the few times, the few times they've spent together stick out in her mind. One of those times was when he showed up to a birthday party for her, um, gave her a card with her name spelled incorrectly. Yeah, father. The the dad gave her a card with her name spelled incorrectly. It hurt her feelings. People misspell her name all the time, but something about her dad not spelling it correctly hurt her feelings. She opened it and what did it say, Alexis? Do you remember? Mm-mm. 
love dad. (laughs) And that hurt her feelings even more. Another time they spent together is when he was like, hey, you want me? You want to ride your bikes to dance class? And she was like, I would love that. But wait, but wait, Kari. Her mom was like, take her to dance class she, so she don't get late. So she's not yeah. late to class. And the dad says, OK, I'll do that. Let's ride bikes. Let's take the slowest way to get there possible. So they get to dance class. And then he's like, you want to get smoothies afterward? And she's like, yeah, because she wants to spend time with dad. But while they're making the smoothies, she remembers that she has an acting class that day and that they're going to miss it. And she is just full of horror. She's like, why did I listen to my dad? I just want to spend time with him. But now I'm going to miss my class and my mom's going to be furious, which she is uh, when they get home. And the mom makes a statement that says, um, well, she didn't have to act for this part anyway, because it's just like her life. A wise little girl with a retarded dad. Sorry for using the R word there. That's what the mom uses. So, um, this is when she also gets the role for a low budget movie with a fake dad being shot and dying in her arms. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. They taped a mic pack to her, to her little baby skin. Now, you guys, for her to be carrying a mic pack as an actress is weird. I can't express this enough. Usually um, your set is already equipped with the audio equipment. There's not actresses running around with mic packs on the bike back of their like dresses and in their pants. But mm-hmm. they taped a heavy mic pack, heavy enough to this little Poor baby child. skin, to this child's skin and ripped it off when it was done. And her mom had to put like aloe on her skin. Uh, that night while they watched uh, Conan, I think, because she loved to watch Conan instead of Jay Leno, but they never got to. So this is also where we see her mom giving her um, rewards for not speaking up for herself consistently. Hmm. Bad advice. So, again. What, are, what? How do you feel about this? This part of the book? Where are you mentally when you're reading all this? Drained. Drained. Yeah. I feel like I'm going through it with her and it's just mm-hmm. really suffrage here. I'm just, ugh. I do feel drained emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, they, her mom feels that they have outgrown Barbara Cameron. Um, she's too old school. So they get a new agent and her mom becomes obsessed. Well, she always was obsessed with Jeanette's appearance. Uh, again, still a child. So they regularly go to the drugstore for what her mom calls a maintenance pack. This includes hair, dyes, teeth, whitener, etc. She wants her to look like a perfect, beautiful, blonde haired, blue eyed little girl. So right. um, mm, making mm. improvements on her best. Yep. So uh, one time when she's um, bleaching her daughter's teeth and dyeing her hair, uh, the mom gets a call <laughs> And they're like, hey, about the last audition, Jeanette did not get the part. They wanted a more ethereally beautiful little girl. And Jeanette read too homely. Okay, Jeanette's just too homely for this role. Thank you so much. We'll look out for another part for her. Okay, bye. Her mom hangs up the phone and sobs uncontrollably. This is the worst possible news she could have ever gotten that her little girl wasn't beautiful enough for a part. Mm hmm. Jeanette's self-perception is being molded by these experiences. We talked about self-perception last week. Um, This is scary. Ah, So anyway, they start getting dressed for uh, this um, part for Grey's Anatomy. 
And Jeanette is like, are you sure I should wear this? I feel like a streetwalker. And her mom's like, no, you look great. So her mom's dressing her in a way that makes Jeanette feel sexualized. So it's sexualizing uh, little Jeanette. And by little, maybe she's like 13 at this point, but she don't want to dress like that. So um, she's trying out for her maphidite on Grey's Anatomy. She didn't get the part. Why? Because the agent was- said, go ahead. go ahead. Because she was too pretty. This is the only time her mom is thrilled she didn't get a part. Mm. All right, let's move it, move on, you guys. At the top of her resume, Jeanette has uh, three words that her mother's put on there. Uh, crying on cue. That's got to be Jeanette's thing. So uh, what Jeanette has to do as a method actress that's not even a preteen, she has to tap into personal trauma, create um, very traumatic events in her mind about people she loves so that she can cry on cue. And she does it. These are miserable times, imagining tragic events happening to her brothers. Um, yeah, triggering, traumatizing. I do not want to act anymore, she tells her mom. Her mom falls into hysterics while driving. So they're driving away from an audition and Jeanette's like, I can't do this anymore, mommy. I don't want to act. Her mom is like, I'm going to kill us. I'm going to kill us. You done got me all worked up. And Jeanette goes, never mind. And they just yeah. don't talk about it again. Her mother at this point is quite manipulative of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure there's a point when Jeanette's mom is ever not manipulative. But mm-hmm. yeah, we see it now because you try to give yeah. moms a pass. You're exactly. like, well, you it is her it. mom. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't know what she's doing or she's you know, projecting from her own place of trauma, which might be true. Uh, but yeah, I tend to believe as we go on that her mom knows exactly what she's doing. To oh, this yeah. Girl. And I think it just gets worse from here. At this point, it has just become radio clear. Oh, her mother is trying to manipulate her every step mm-hmm. of the way. Yeah. Um, so there there's a point where Jeanette's like, well, I hate acting, but let me look into something I do love. And that's writing. She writes a whole screenplay. She's like, I love this. I love writing. I hate acting. Never want to do that again. But I like this writing. So her mom is in the hospital because her mom frequently has to go to the hospital for problems outside of the cancer that she's beat up until this point. So um, this is one of the times when mom's in the hospital and Jeanette shows her the screenplay. She said her mom puts on this um, express this disingenuous rehearsed expression and says, I hope you don't like writing more than you like acting. And she's mm-hmm. like, it's almost embarrassing how bad of an actress my mom is. But I just tell her, no, mommy, I, I love acting. And she goes, OK, great. What's your screenplay about? And she explains it. And her mom's like, oh, they already did that in the parent trap. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, Jeanette. Hmm. Jeanette is still growing up. She starts to get breasts. And she, remember her mom was diagnosed with cancer when she was four. So her first thought is, oh no, I I have um, breast cancer. Her mom goes, no, 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 you're getting boobies. And to Jeanette, she wants to stay a little girl. She's like, well, I don't want boobies. I want to get these roles that are for kids and I want to stay a child. I don't want to grow up. And her mom goes... (laughs) This is when you expect the mom to be like, because she's not reacting badly about Jeanette um, developing a body. Um, so you're like, OK, there's going to be something normal, some normalcy. No, you, you just know that you just what's know next. You just know. I was like, well, she's going to come in and be like a mom mom here. 
Yeah. 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 It's, it seems to be going that way. And so when Jeanette says, well, I don't want boobies, her mom goes, let me tell you a secret. There's a way you can um, not get them and stop your body from developing as it naturally should. You want to know what it is? And Jeanette's like, yeah, mommy, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Calorie restriction. How old is she? 11? I think she 11. Yeah, by this point. Mm-hmm. Y'all. Just fast forwarding a little bit. There's a point where she's 14 sitting in the car in a booster seat. In a booster seat. She had to sit in a booster seat. So anyway, her mom is like, yeah, little baby, just restrict your calories. And so Jeanette's like, okay. And Jeanette's really good at it. She's like, I'm on a thousand calorie diet. She's a growing child. On a thought, you you ever had a, a little boy in your house? They will eat up your whole fridge in one day and not bat an eyelash. Okay, for little shame. girls need uh, calories too to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, she don't want to grow, so she's on a thousand calorie diet, and she's figured out that if she cuts that in half again to further please her mom, she'll lose even more weight. Mm-hmm. She drinks black coffee now to suppress her hunger Um, and uh, calorie restriction has brought Jeanette and her mom even closer together because Mm -hmm. her mom's like, I've been doing this for years. And Jeanette's like, of course you have. I didn't even notice it. And now she's like, yeah, you eat boiled vegetables for dinner. Uh, You chew on like this um, mix for breakfast and that's all you eat. I didn't notice. And her mom's like, yeah, girl. They're like, (laughs) yay, us. We're going to be besties with calorie restrictions. We, we already besties. So what? Yeah, this is great. So um, Jeanette goes down three sizes and her mom is thrilled for her. Um, also, it should be noted around this point, about three years ago, Jeanette started hearing voices in her head and she thought that was the Holy Spirit talking to her. And it would say stuff like when you wash your hands, turn around three times and touch your belt buckle. And her grandpa was like, I think Jeanette has OCD. And her mom was like, no, Jeanette's perfect. She don't need a doctor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Moving on. So they go to the doctor for a checkup, a physical one. And the doctor says, hey, um, Deb, can I talk to you? And um, Jeanette's overhearing all this. She goes, Jeanette's weight is really low for a healthy child her age. And the mom is like, what? And the doctor's like, yeah, um, I hate to say this, but anorexic girls can be very secretive. So have you noticed anything different about her diet? And Deb is like, no, I haven't noticed anything. And Jeanette is really confused because she's like, yes, you have. You told me to change my diet. And the doctor's like, you haven't noticed her doing things to lose weight? And the mom's like, no. And Jeanette's like, but that's what we do, mama. <laughs> so she's like, we do it together. Really confused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then after um, either practice or rehearsals or an audition, I forget which it is, a mom that they know approaches Deb's car when Deb comes to pick up. It must be dance class because Deb wasn't there. She just came to pick up um, Jeanette. And the mom goes, hey, Deb, I want to talk to you. Uh, I noticed your daughter's been losing weight. That happens. Like there was another student who also suffered from anorexia. And the mom goes, all right, we'll talk about it later. Okay. In a way that shows they're never going to talk about it. Right. And Jeanette is... Jeanette is terribly confused. She's like, mommy, why did she say that? And her mom is like, people just being dramatic, girl. Don't worry Mm -hmm. about it. She was like, what is anorexia? Mm hmm. 
So now she's receiving judgment also from inside the church because they rarely go and people are like they're <laughs> fake Mormons. Uh, they they look to God like he's a genie. And when they need something, they'll like show up to church for late for a couple of weeks and then they stop going because they want to be in Hollywood. And this little girl at church was like, um, <laughs> they are worried talking about the church people. They worry you're going to be um, inactive. And um, Jeanette goes home and tells her mom. You know, that little girl said that they're worried that we're not going to be. And this is Jeanette's favorite place. Remember um, that we're going to be not active because we're bad Mormons. And her mom goes, don't listen to that little girl. She adopted. <laughs> I don't want you to forget that. <laughs> OK. Uh, and for real, at church, at church, they they judge you. But so they got points like one woman is like, hey, should your little girl be um, playing a rape victim or a murderer? What you think? <laughs> is that appropriate and the mom is like oh if you don't mind your business yeah you're jealous so anyway mom we're gonna get into some more abuse you guys uh, well, i guess we haven't gotten out of abuse but it right. was getting into abuse it can so, the abuse continues and i want to give this the serious tone it deserves so the mom still showers jeanette we find out first we find out that Jeanette don't be taking showers regularly, but then we find out why she be avoiding them. Her mom showers her. She's um, she's too old. OK, not only that, the yes. mom also showers her favorite son. He's 15. Not only that, but the mom will shower Jeanette and the favorite 15 year old brother in the same tub at the same time. Not only that. But the mom gives Jeanette a quote unquote breast and quote unquote front butt exam. Speaking of her vagina. During these quote During unquote the shower. exams. Yeah. So her brother's in the there brother. in the shower and they are they feel awkward. The brother um, has asked the mom, can I please shower by myself? The mom burst into tears and is like, why don't you love me? Uh, why, why don't you know? Why are you growing up? Why are you distancing yourself from me? Why aren't you my little boy anymore? So to avoid all that drama, he just lets her do it. Um, Jeanette allows her mom to shower her also again in the same tub, often with her brother at the same time. Um, and to perform these exams where she's touching Jeanette's private parts. Uh, now, there's something I've, I have on my chest because I was listening to a review of this book and they were like, is this um, sexual? Hey, you guys, it is. <laughs> Period. Um, sometimes sexual acts are performed on not just children, but adults in a power play type of way, not just for sexual gratification. So perhaps the mom in this moment does not feel sexual gratification. However, she is inappropriately touching her children in a way not to say a mom can never touch their child, but this is in a way to take power away from the kids. So let's give her the benefit of the doubt to say she is not a pedophile. However, she is teaching her children that their bodies are not their own. And that is her point. Mm. I think that's her motivation. What did you think uh, at this part? Besides it being disgusting? Yeah. Mm. That she needed to be removed from the home, her and her brother and sisters, her, yeah, her and other CPS. brothers. Yeah, because it's a problem. This is a problem. The woman has 
obviously has some mental health issues and she does. Mm -hmm. She's got some trauma that she's got to deal with, but it's Mm -hmm. affecting how she's rearing her children and they need to be split up in real life. Jeanette Jeanette mentally disconnects during these exams and in her mind, she goes somewhere else and lets her mom do whatever. So anyway, 14 years old and still sitting in a booster seat, Jeanette is in the car with her mom um, when they learn that she's gotten the role for iCarly. Yay, mom is elated. Jeanette believes mom will now be happy. I have a co-starring role. I'm a regular. My mom is now going to be happy. Part three, iCarly. So I don't know anything about this show, but I know that Miranda Cosgrove is the main actress. And Mm -hmm. to Jeanette, Miranda just seemed like the cool girl right off the bat. She seemed like she had everything together. She could think for herself, do things for herself. She just she had a sidekick, which was like cool at the time. And um, Miranda walks up to Jeanette one day and is like, hey, do you have AIM? Hey, kids, that's um, what is that? <laughs> America uh, instant messaging, something instant uh, messaging. OK, so, yes, yeah, like, instant messaging. Uh, sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, America Online Instant Messenger. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So she's like, yeah, I do. I have or no, she's like, no, I've never no. had good aim. <laughs> <laughs> and so Miranda's like, no, we can message each other online. And they do. They start becoming like really close friends like sisters. Um, now on the set, some disturbing things go on. First of all, their costumes um, sometimes are very sexualized. Also, Jeanette's first kiss ever was on the show. And her critique was more head movement. Let's do that again. More head movement. This is a little girl with her first kiss. Okay. And angrily. Seven takes. Angrily. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, do it again. <laughs> okay. Disturbing. Um, Then there's someone that she calls the creator and we can deduce uh, by uh, media uh, events who this is. The creator tells her and her mom, Jeanette and Deb, I want to give your daughter her own show. All you got to do is everything I say and let me guide you. And the mom is like, great. She's answering for Jeanette. All Jeanette heard was, I got to do everything you say. Mm. Mm. So Jeanette doesn't look happy. And the mom said, you should be happy. Everyone wants what you have. A bit Miranda Priestley of her. Three years later, Miranda is Jeanette's closest friend. And her presence adds a healthy relationship to her life. Happy about that. I love when co-stars are friends in real life. Um, But at this point, she's super famous and she hates people. (laughs) She didn't choose this life, Jeanette. Her Mm -hmm. mom did. She's scared. She's starting to be bitter at her mom. Her worst fear is harboring resentment toward her mom. She's like, my mom is such a good mom. She's given me this life. I'm financially stable. How can I? Why do I hate her? And she (laughs) sometimes that at every step of the way, too, because she doesn't understand it. She's Mm -hmm. like, sometimes I look at her and I just hate her. Oh, why did I think that? So um, she has a quote here. I pretended for my mom for so long and my job for so long. And I'm starting to believe I'm pretending for myself, too. Soon they stop going to her favorite place, which is church, because who needs church when you've got clear mammograms and a series? You're a series regular on Nickelodeon. That goes back to thinking of God like a genie. Uh, She gets her first period. On set, 
and her thoughts. I got to start losing weight again. My body is getting out of control. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yep. And again, uh, no writer mother sh- to rescue her from that line of thinking. No, her mother taught it to her. So um, there's a writer strike and the show is temporarily um, put on hold. So she starts a country music career again at the urging of her mom. Jeanette hates this. She hates the song. She like cannot even sing. And her mom's like, you ain't got to sing. You heard of Hillary Duff. Her sister <laughs> sing them songs. I used to love Hillary Duff. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, one time listening to one of uh, Jeanette's songs, her mom becomes overly tearful. And the song is terrible. She like, why are you let's cry into this song? And then she realized the cancer has returned. Mm. Treatment begins on her mom. The mom is around uh, um, less and Jeanette is eating more and being happier, but she feels guilty. She's like, why am I so happy when my mom isn't around? What is that? Jeanette then starts binge eating. She's terrified of what her mom will say. So she goes to the hospital and she's like, hi, mom. Her mom goes, (coughs) you're fat. (laughs) For real. Oh, so uh, then there's this like all the romantic relationships in this book are really disturbing. Right, Alexis? Uh, yes. Sir. And you think you have a healthy one toward the end, but you don't. So mm-hmm. give that up. Mm-mm. Ain't going to be no healthy romances. So there's this guy named Lucas. He's 27. She's 18. They share Yuck. her first real kiss. Yeah, I mean, that's legal. So it's like, I can't say too much. Great. It's legal. She just turned 18. And you guys remember her body is like a little underdeveloped. She looked like a kid. Anyway. So um, the voices become more sporadic in her head. And now she does accept it as a mental illness. She's like, oh, I have OCD. Um, and there's worse things to have, especially in her situation. I think she got off easy. She's taking it well. Some things with the OCD she'll do like every time she goes to the bathroom, she has to twirl three times. Um, so I'm sure that must cause some anxiety for her, things like that, or touching her belt buckle or the label on her pants. Um, but that is the limit so far of her OCD as far as she's divulged to us. Um, Jeanette's mom returns home or I'm sorry, Jeanette returns home from Nashville and is shocked at the sight of her mom. No one prepared um, for her to see her mom in this state. She looks sick. She's really thin. Jeanette instantly feels shock, horror and no doubt more guilt for how free she felt without her mom's presence. When they're in the car, her mom asks, what happened, Jeanette? Her mom is asking her this. Okay, what happened, Jeanette? You're getting chunky. Jeanette's having dinner with the creator, quote unquote, session. more and more. Yeah. He's always asking her to come over for dinner. He gives her alcohol. He's like, you need to loosen up. She's 18. He places his hand on her knee, giving her inappropriate massages. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Moving on, she gets her own apartment and her mom gets a wheelchair. <laughs> Her mom moves into her apartment. First, her mom's like, can I spend the night? It'll be fun. And Jeanette knew right away. Yeah, she knew right away what that was. And she was right. Her mom eventually just moving. She's like, can I get mail here? (laughs) (laughs) Then Jeanette has this coworker named Joe. He's in his 30s. 
Mm-hmm. And 32. he begins flirting. 32. He begins flirting heavily with her during a visit to Six Flags. But he has a girlfriend. So she's like, I didn't think much of it. And to be honest, I like the attention. Um, but there was something in that moment where she knew that they would eventually be together. The mom gets mad when she says she can't spend the night one day because she's secretly going to meet that coworker, Joe. Um, and the mom is like, this is where we see the verbal abuse abuse toward Jeanette, because we've seen it already with everybody else. But now we see how how her mom verbally abuses her. Um, so Jeanette lies to her mom is like, I'm going to hang out with uh, Miranda Cosgrove. I don't think she said her first and last name every time she mentioned her, but in my brain she do. She's like, hey mom, I'm going to hang out with Miranda Cosgrove. And her mom was like, you dumb whore! Yeah. Throws something at her. She's like, you're lying! <sighs> mm. So she is lying, right? She meets Joe and what condition is he in? Again, 32. Joe is distraught because he just broke up with his girlfriend to be with uh, Jeanette and Mm -hmm. uh, Jeanette's still a young girl. Mm -hmm. He's drunk. He's sad. He's like, me and my girlfriend were supposed to get married. What have I done? We were together five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, you won't even have sex with me. And she's like, yeah, I won't. <laughs> and he's like, what have I done? He's like, will you at least have oral sex with me? And so in a devastating moment in a hotel, she um, has oral sex with him. Again, he's thir- in his 30s. She don't even know like what's going on bio- biologically. It's, it is one of the most disturbing scenes in the book for me. But only one of them. Oh, that's the only one? Oh, okay. I said only, it's only one of the many disturbances oh, in the book. Oh, of the many. Okay, because I tell yeah, you yeah. what. And this is her real life. So a year passes. She's still with Joe. And to, to Jeanette, this is a better relationship than her parents had, at least. So she's like, I'm winning. This is like how relationships are. Poor thing. On a trip to Hawaii. I mean, really poor thing. So on a trip to Hawaii, paparazzi catch them. And she wakes up the next day to... Over 37 missed calls, 16 voicemails and four missed emails, all from her mom and a message calling her a disowned monster. That is as light as I can possibly get about this message. This these messages call her everything but a child of God. They are they are. They, she talks about her worse than anyone would talk about an animal. And she ends it all, the mom does, by saying, you look pudgier, too. It's clear you're eating your guilt. Oh, wait, Love, wait. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Go ahead. Finish that. Love, Deb. P.S. Send us money for a new fridge. Ours okay. broke. Yes. Thank you. She degrades her daughter. In the most abusive way possible. And then says, send money for a refrigerator. Also, you caused my cancer to come back. You did this. Oh, that's right. She sure did. Also, her mom posts a hate letter on Jeanette's fan page. Wow. Her mom did that. Her mom did that. So Jeanette's like, mom, you want to meet and talk about it? And so they meet and her mom doesn't even mention it. And then they slip into this weird like pantomime sort of relationship where they just act like the best friends they used to be. And they never discuss mom's outbursts. They kind of just continue. 
One day before entering the studio, her mom has a violent seizure and is rushed to the hospital. And as her mom declines, Jeanette starts taking control of her life. She looks at this older guy she's with and she's like, you have no drive. You eat with your mouth open. Your bites are too big. Let's just not. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I Carly films its last episode and she's so ready to move on. Jeanette is. Um, She does worry like, will me and Miranda stay friends or is this just something? Was our friendship tied to the show? Fortunately, they did stay friends at this point. So her mom calls her in a panic one day while she's having like a sleepover with Miranda and they're watching a movie. It's really cute. Her mom calls and is like, something's wrong. You have to come now. Um, Something's wrong with my breast implant because she had a double mastectomy and they put in breast implants and it's leaking. And she's like, they want to do a procedure, but something is wrong. You have to come quick. Her dad picks up the phone and is like, you don't have to come. It's fine. And so she's like, well, you know, mom is always like this, but should I come? And the dad is like, no, it's fine. They're just going to have a small procedure. But the procedure leaves Deb in a coma. So there's some regret there. Um, Miranda drives Jeanette to the hospital to see her comatose mom. Soon, due to the tumors on her brain, all Deb can say is a muffled I love you. And it breaks Jeanette's heart. While changing her mother's feces bag, a nurse asks if Jeanette is the girl from iCarly. How inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And Jeanette. Jeanette says, no, I am absolutely not that girl. And the nurse goes, well, can I take your picture? My daughter won't believe how much you look like her. And Jeanette goes, no, you may not take my picture. She's so over it. People are the worst. Yeah. Through all of this, Jeanette is becoming angry, rude, but this is better than being a pushover in her mind. So um, just like that, her mom dies, you guys. Her mom is dead and they cried so much. The family did up until this point. It's like they've been having rehearsals for her death so that when she dies, everybody's like, "Okay, that's done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, no more tears, no more emotion. We've used it all. But Jeanette discovers bulimia soon after her mom dies and the forgetfulness that comes with getting drunk. She drinks daily and she's drinking like wine mixed with vodka. She's trying to pass out every day, every day. Her show begins, but surprise, it's not her show. They lied. It's this privileged brat named Ariana Grande's show. And they're just co-hosts of the show or co-stars of the show. Except um, Jeanette was told this has to be exclusive. Like all your time got to be devoted to the show. Whereas Ariana can't be bothered to show up because she's singing at the Billboard Music Awards. She playing (laughs) um, charades with Tom Hanks. She is... You know, living it up. Mm -hmm. She actually likes her singing career. She can sing. I hate this girl. That's what Jeanette is saying. I hate this girl. Um, Jeanette loses her virginity in a drunken blur. Okay, this is I want to say a downward spiral she was in after her mom died. The bulimia, the drinking. Yes, um, that's exactly mm -hmm. what it is, Kari. Okay, she continues with the show. 
with the promise that she can start directing. So they're like, don't quit the show. Uh, we'll let you become this director that you want to be. But they pull that from her after give, getting everything that they want from her. So mm-hmm. after all the scenes are shot that they want for a period, they're like, oh yeah, we ain't going to let you direct it. She falls into a panic attack on set and the director takes her aside and confides in her, look, it's not your fault. Someone said they'd leave the show if forced to act in an episode that you directed. And you think that was Ariana? I think so. I mean, who else would it be? It could be anybody, but why would they care? Yeah, so yeah for that's it to the be, point. Yeah. That's the point. Had to be somebody at high value. Mm-hmm. So um, now we're seeing more also where her mom's um, behavior may have come from because uh, the grandma calls Jeanette. Oh, so Jeanette's you. trying to grocery shop, which someone with an eating disorder, I can't imagine how much you have to psych yourself up to go grocery shopping, to buy food, to feed yourself. Just so you can so vomit it So she's done up. it mm-hmm. so you can throw it up or you so that you can tell yourself you won't throw it up. Um, so she's in Whole Foods and her mom calls her grandma calls. I'm sorry. Too, too many times she answers and is like, grandma, I'm grocery shopping. What do you need? And the grandma's like, why don't you love me? For real. Um, she's in a panic, calls her to be where uh, Jeanette is like, OK, I'm going to hang up and block you. OK, the grandma really flips out. Jeanette hangs up and blocks her. And she's like, I think this is good, which on the surface, yeah, that is good. But then in an in a haze of alcohol and depression. She starts counting down the days till till her life will be hers again, till she'll be out of the stupid show she hates and she can quit acting forever. So she's always postponing her own happiness. She's Mm -hmm. like, I'll just drink until it's over. Yeah. At this time, um, the set is also really tense. And she's like, oh, that's because I'm a jerk. But really, I also know it's because the creator is in trouble with the studio over allegations of emotional abuse. He can't even be alone with any of the actors anymore. Her show is canceled. She's like, yay. Nickelodeon wants to offer her $300,000 in hush money to know to never talk about the creator. She declines and she feels really stupid about declining after she declines. But she's like principles. So um, the press begins running with the story that Jeanette quit because she was jealous of Ariana getting more money than her. (laughs) And I'm like, how come two things can't be true? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) she said it was not true. So (laughs) and then she pulls a Kari move. She gets this uh, contract that says you're going to be on the show for Netflix. You want to sign? And she like all she see is Netflix. She's like, yes, I do. (laughs) This ain't no Netflix show. Because her desire is if I'm going to keep acting, it has to be on a serious level in work that I respect. Mm -hmm. But but this ain't a Netflix show. This is some studio out of Canada and Netflix is just going to distribute it. They only have distribution rights. But she's there now. She's on the show and she falls in love with this guy. Um, His name's Steve. You're like, this is going to be healthy. He visits her. Um, They're very into each other. And he goes into her bathroom and finds dried vomit on her toilet seat and tells her to get help or he won't stay with her. And you're like, oh, he cares about her. So she's like, well, I want to be with you. So I'll go get get therapy or whatever. And the therapist is like, glad you're here. (laughs) (laughs) However, you can't change for anyone else. You have to change for you. 
And this is where we find out, too, that she's been binging and purging every day for three years, in addition to getting drunk daily. It is a wonder she is alive. After going 24 hours without purging, celebrate your wins. The therapist wants to go deeper into Jeanette's motivation. She's like, okay, you're ready for some more work. Here we go. The therapist starts asking about Jeanette's family. Jeanette hates this. It seems like the lazy blame it on childhood tactic of therapists on TV shows. Tell me about your family. What was your dad like? What was your mom like? And Jeanette's rolling her eyes like, yeah, yeah, my family was perfect. We were poor. Um, and my mom um, had cancer when I was younger. But then again, she got it when she when she was older and I was older. But honestly, our family was perfect. And the therapist is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. OK, so what was perfect? <laughs> She's like, what? I mean, it yeah, was perfect. What? Like, you know, perfect. She was like, my mom was a perfect mom. Okay, what about your mom was perfect? Well, she took care of me and my brothers. And the therapist goes, that's her job. (laughs) The way the therapist said that, I mean, that was just like. Matter of fact. That's that's her job. That's her job, though. Anything else? And then Jeanette's like, okay, well, she sacrificed everything for me. And the therapist goes, is that healthy? (laughs) This therapist was getting on my nerves. (laughs) What, being a good therapist? I know you hate that. You hate when you start getting good at their job. Uh, So, so, Jeanette's panicking inside. She's like, I just want to be done with this. Uh, I put her first too, Jeanette says. We were best friends. And the therapist (laughs) goes, did your mom have friends her age or were you mostly her only friend? Y'all, why are y'all friends with y'all kids? (laughs) That is, that's the first of the bombs that the therapist is quickly dropping. I got to say there's a balance to that. And that is what she was narrowing in on. You can't be your mom's only friend because that's problematic it's okay to be your friend just not your only friend but 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 listen if y'all grown yeah be best friends with your mom that's cute but if you're six and you're your mom's best friend i need to know why your mom can't hold healthy platonic relationships actually i don't need to know but maybe you should again if she's your only friend Okay, you just have to have other associations because you're going to be friends with your your child as your they best grow friend? up. You sitting here confiding in your kid like I shouldn't have married your daddy. I could have had anybody. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> that is a problem. That's a pr- real that life is a problem. child. Mm-hmm. Go get you a friend. So uh, anyway. <sighs> she tells the therapist, yeah, my mom had acquaintances. And, she didn't have time for uh, her friends. So she said. Yeah. And then we're reminded of a time when um her only friend really was this woman named Karen that she hated. And she was like, Karen stole my baby name. I told Karen that I wanted a son named Jason. And then Karen got pregnant before me with a boy and named him Jason. I hate her. But I'm getting lipstick on now to go meet her for lunch. <laughs> Just remember Karen. She comes back. Uh, so quickly, they get into a major root cause for Jeanette's struggle with body image and eating. Her mother encouraged her anorexia. In fact, her mother taught her how to be anorexic. The therapist brings that to her attention and lets her know point blank that 
is abuse. That phrase, that is abuse, really triggers Jeanette. Mm-hmm. She's not ready to hear it. She's not ready to even approach that conversation. Rocked her world. Mm-hmm. This is the point in the audiobook where Jeanette starts crying IRL. Mm-hmm. And it is heartbreaking. Um, by the way, this book was hard to get just because it was so sold out for me. I, I'm still waiting for it in the mail. Um, but I did buy the audio version on Audible. And if you're going to spend the money, I recommend uh, I, I will say right away. This is a book that uh, it, it she, her reading it really added a layer to the story, mm-hmm. to the memoir. All right. So Jeanette quits therapy. She's like, whoo, they they tripping over in therapy. I don't know what they talking about. <laughs> and then she goes on a purge binge. She binging the purge. So she is just purging, purging, purging to the point where she's throwing up blood. It's crazy. And she's thinking in her mind, if her mother isn't who she thought she was and she spent her entire life trying to please her mother, then who is Jeanette? That's deep. I'm gonna read that one more time. If her mother isn't who she thought she was and she spent her entire life trying to please her mother, then who is Jeanette? Yeah, Stephen, who we is rooting for to help save our girl, he come back home and is fanatical about religion. We gonna leave that there because no, I'm gonna just tell y'all he come back home y'all and say he Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm Jesus. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And my heart is breaking because I'm like, oh, he was supposed to save us. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Then <laughs> then we find out that the dad has been dating Karen since the mom died. In fact, at the funeral, he was trying to get that number right away. And <laughs> a I said, week Look at him taking later, initiative. A week later, they started dating. And this is where he drops the bomb of the book. Is this the most surprising thing in this book? No. Yeah. No, Kari. No. <laughs> it's not. Mm-mm. I, it's not. It's the other stuff for me. That, that, that's, that was the other stuff for me. The, because the mom is cool. because the mom is continuously abusive, her levels, you realize she has no limits. And for me, um, every time I heard about her doing something outrageously abusive, I was like, yep, that's dead. But this I did not see coming. And it was so late in the book. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you guys, um, Jeanette is like, oh, my dad wants me to meet him and Karen for dinner. They're going to get married. I already know. Mm-hmm. Let me just brace myself. But what's the news, Alexis, that the dad wants to share with Jeanette? Yeah. He ain't Girl. even her father, her biological father. And the new that. girlfriend told her, or her mama's old best friend, told him to tell her. Yeah, so not only that, he ain't none of them kids' daddies. None of them. So her and her two or three brothers, I can't remember, he two. ain't none of their daddy. Once he told Karen, so he's opening up to Karen. This seems like a healthy relationship. Because uh, even I, the relationship, even the relationship with the mother was very unhealthy. She was abusive to him. So, and he just disconnected from his life. Mm-hmm. He just let everything happen to him. Now with Karen, he's like unpacking his issues. And Karen was like, "If you told me this, you got to tell your kids. They deserve to know who they are." And so he's like, "Yeah, I'm not your dad. Did you want to go get ice cream or go to the movies?" 
He's an emotional potato, just like the Deb said. Okay, Deb is only once. Even a broke clock is right twice a day. This is one of Deb's times. He's an emotional potato. So he didn't just drop this bomb on our girl Jeanette and then go ask her. Yeah, so I don't know. Do we go to the mall now? What do we do? This is so disturbing because the mom growing up will always make sure that the dad was active in their lives. He's she's like, you need to talk to your dad, call him dad, blah, blah, blah. And then when um, he did something that really angered her, she told Jeanette to call him Mark for the rest of his life. And she was doing that. She was calling the Mark until her mom died. That is because the mom knew that she had an affair that produced three children while she was married to one man. How could you an stay affair. with mom? An affair. That produced three children. Three children. Three. We find out she even went to custody court for these children. As she should. They're her children. However, she didn't want the other man to have any type of uh, dealings with them. And she's so manipulative and people just was letting her be manipulative. Yeah, well. This is weird. She got it from her mama because they're both narcissists, okay? That's what the answer is. Yeah, so all of that disturbing things when she said, you can't listen to that little girl she adopted. How dare you, Deb? How dare you? Okay? It's really, really disturbing. The gall. Um, the gall they unmitigated gall <laughs> so anyway the dad is like i don't know how i let it happen i don't know i don't know Ugh. so anyway uh steve's parents going back to steve help him into a rehab um that relationship is gonna end i'm not gonna go too deep into that but steve is schizophrenic it's some troubles um he becomes uh dependent on marijuana and it just ends so anyway Jeanette takes a flight to Australia for work. And during the flight, she's throwing up constantly on purpose. She loses a tooth. She's throwing up so bad. And this is a moment where she hops in the Uber when she lands. And he's like, hey, how you doing? And she thinks to herself, I just found out my dad isn't my dad. And my mom never told me. My boyfriend's schizophrenic. Um, I haven't recovered from bulimia. And I just lost a tooth. And she goes, I'm fine. Or no, she doesn't respond. And he's like, do you mind if I turn this up? And it's Ariana Grande on the radio singing, focus on me. Her best friend. (laughs) Yeah, Jeanette's like, you know what, Ariana? I am going to focus on me. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I want to end here. I think I do. This is where most of the um, strings are kind of tied up. She does meet her biological dad. They have a conversation. Um, He's, it's disturbing because she's like, I approached you and you were great. But why didn't you ever approach me? And I understand you lost that custody battle, but why didn't you make any effort after my mom died, which he found out on like E! News or something? So why didn't then you try to reach out to me and my brothers? Why didn't you think it was worth it? But she doesn't focus on that. Um, Miranda and another friend actually go with her to meet him for the first time. He's a jazz musician and he he knew right away who she was and that he was her dad. We don't know if they follow up with a relationship, but we know about that conversation. Then iCarly is rebooted. Jeanette opts out. She's like, this isn't for me. And she's choosing to do her own thing. Um, She visits her mom's grave for the last time and is trying to reconcile who her mom is with how a mom typically is viewed. And she just knows she'll never be back to that gravesite. And that's the end. 
You want to take a break? I do. Let's do it. What did you think of I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy? And would you recommend this book? Yeah, that was a lot. It was a it was a lot for me emotionally. And so um, if you're not, there's a lot going on in that book. It's a lot and it might not be for everybody. Then there's some scenes in the book that, of course, she's reading them. That's like, they're also too much. So it's a lot in the book that's, for me, just doesn't feel good I, it's her story and again I don't talk about nobody's story like it's it's a bad story that's not what I'm saying it's not for me to read um, I, I couldn't read it twice because it was too emotionally draining to listen to this book so I, I can't recommend it I can't recommend it for that just because of the emotional drain it put up on me how about you, Kari? Would you recommend this book? Yeah, that's valid. I understand. So it really depends on what you can handle as far as tragedy is concerned and trauma and what you've experienced in your own life, because there will be a lot of triggers in this book. What I appreciated is her humorous spirit. She's not ha ha laughing at her pain, but she's keeping her her humorous spirit, even if it's dark humor uh, throughout the book. So there was never times when I felt completely just devastated for her. Um, I'm thinking of a book we read called Project Girl, where at the end, I just felt Mm. like I was carrying all these heavy burdens and I couldn't shake them. Mm. I didn't feel that way with this book. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. I I like her writing style. I like how I felt like her in, in a lot of moments. And she really put me in the scene with her. So just from a writing perspective, I thought it was really well done. And then to hear her read her book, really touched me. Um, you can see her acting ability as she puts on different voices for mm-hmm. some of the characters in her life. Um, and I would definitely read this again. So I both recommend it and I would read it again. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's also very short. If you're the type of person that reads a book in a day, this is probably one of those books that you can read in a day for a memoir. It's not Becoming by Michelle Obama, uh, which is a longer book to me or for me it was. Um, which I thoroughly enjoyed, but it was longer. This is um, a more compact, more economical way to tell about a portion of her life. Um, also, can I guys, just I say just before say, you move on, the mm-hmm. very fact that she puts you in to her book and her um, audio is the very reason why I cannot read it again. I would not recommend it because you're right there in it. I also want to say that that um, part with her shower, her mom forcing showers on her or showering her and then also touching her inappropriately, that lasted until at least 17 years old. Um, so this is really heavy stuff. It, it, it amazes me how she is so progressive in her mindset um, and ready to prepare for her future, telling her story. I know is part of that, no doubt, which is why I think it's so important to get these stories on paper it reminds me of catch and kill where it's a lot of disgusting stuff but um i think it helps um society to talk about um predators in an open way because no one should feel ashamed with them and because um predators the uh, um 
the activity of predators can be so prolific in some areas, especially um, towards children. I think it's important to talk about it so that um, other people who are survivors of that type of trauma um, can feel some. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but no one should feel alone and ashamed uh, for something tragic that has unfortunately happened to a lot of people. The way, though, um, Jeanette has experienced trauma, I've never heard of this before. Um, thinking of, again, I'm thinking of a lot of stuff, but the many faces of Eve. Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. Her mother was very abusive um, in a way that was also um, sexual sometimes. Uh, but this woman was on another level to me. I uh, she was a cancer as she was battling cancer. She was a cancer to everyone's lives around her. And if you didn't have the spirit to champion yourself, you would give up like the dad did. But Jeanette had the spirit to champion herself, even though um, she let things happen to her. She was a child. She was a child. And it sounds like she's forgiven herself for the things she quote unquote allowed to happen as a child. She she didn't. She was a child. Um, but as an adult, she is searching for the tools to heal herself and kudos to her. I am so proud of her reading this book. I want uh, nothing but happiness and um, purpose in her life. And yeah, I, I, I guess I liked it. I loved it a lot. <laughs> well, thank you, Kari. I'm glad you enjoyed. Um, I'm glad my mother is dead. That brings us. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the end of our third season. Woo! We did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did it, Joe. They said it couldn't be done. <laughs> but we, we did, did it. it. Yeah, we did it. We will continue to provide relit episodes while we're on break. Um, again, keep up with us on social media by following Lit Society Pod. Um, Kari, you can follow at Chicago Wings. And Alexis, you can follow at Alexis is Traveling. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Anaria and Kari Herrera. Support, support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also um, leave a comment on why you absolutely love us on Apple Podcasts. We love you too. And if you've enjoyed what you just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes this month's book list and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter and until next time read something read something